everyone and welcome back or welcome to the Everyday Podcast where we focus on resettlement, mindset and motivation. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Claire Farrow this morning. So Claire is the Inclusion and Diversity Client Partner at one of the UK's largest technology and engineering recruitment companies and is also the co-founder of the Swindon Inclusion and Diversity Network. As well as all that, Claire is working on a military hire program that aims to provide a platform for service leavers to enter the corporate world. That was a long introduction, so hello. <laughs> hello, thanks so much for inviting me to join you. So I've given you a, a slight introduction, but do you want to introduce yourself properly? Yeah, so um, it probably is a good idea for me to introduce myself properly as well, because my job title is um, a bit long-winded. Um, so it's Inclusion and Diversity Client Partner. Um, and what that essentially means, and, um, and the reason that, that um, I like to explain it, is because I support both clients and also candidates with identifying um, potential applicants who wouldn't necessarily get through a process if you're basing it on um, you know, a standard sort of artificial intelligence CV search. Um, so it's making sure that A, clients are looking out for transferable skills when they're screening CVs, um, B, that they're actually proactively going out into the market and looking for alternative talent, um, and then on the, the candidate side, supporting those candidates to make sure that their CV is um, as appropriate for the role as is possible to get them to that point where they're at interview stage. Sounds very interesting. <laughs> so in terms of the area we're in, and for those who don't know, um, you probably guessed by some of the intro, it's Swindon. Loads of bases around here, RAF, yeah. not so much Navy, but Army. Um, do you see a lot of CVs crossing your desk? Yeah, I do. And um, what I see quite a lot on CVs, um, and, and not coming from a sort of um, military background at all, is I see lots of acronyms that I have absolutely no understanding of whatsoever. Um, and so I will be completely honest when I speak to those candidates um, and say to them, you know, I've got no idea. Um, how to sell this CV to a client within industry um, and my fear is that if I don't know and I don't ask those questions clients aren't asking them either. And is that an approach you would recommend um, sort of asking people if they understand it before they put it forward so you know anyone on Civvy Street could understand it? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's lots of different tips that I can give around um, making sure that your CV is um, as interview worthy as possible. Um, but um, certainly when you are at the point where you're sort of happy with what you've got on there and you feel that you've made it, um, you know, sort of industry wide, um, checking it with someone who doesn't have that background is always advisable because um, it's a bit like when you proofread something, you know, every single time you proofread a document, you find an extra typo that you didn't see before. So just making sure that somebody has cast their eyes over it that really doesn't know what it is that you did previously you hear a lot of like stories about keywords and stuff is, is that true is that a myth is that a myth or a fact yeah so I would like to say um, that it's a myth um, certainly within outsource we don't take that approach um, but um, unfortunately sometimes it's because of time and resource sometimes you know if it's a, a very sort of 
generic role um, and it's for an organisation that has um, quite a big br employer brand um, and they get lots of applicants, then they may use some form of artificial intelligence to do that initial sift and keywords is, is how they do that. Um, so it's always advisable that you make sure that you've put as many keywords from the job advert in your CV as possible. So say they publish their CV um, and they get an interview, have you got any interview top tips and one thing and this might be a myth or a fact so I always advise people just based on my own experience to just wear a suit yeah no matter what yeah you can always dress down you can't really dress up from smart yeah. casual like is, yeah. that, is that still a thing or am I telling people the wrong wrong advice it really depends on, on where, where it is you're going to interview, to be honest with you. Um, there are some large organisations um, that I'm aware of that really genuinely do have a dress-down policy um, to the point where they put it on their interview, um, you know, their email that they send out to invite you to interview as well. Um, and they generally mean it as well when they say, you know, we have a dress-down policy, please don't feel you have to wear a suit. They're not tricking you always or anything like, like that. I was say, it always feels yeah. like some sort of trick and then you rock up. Well, I've done it a few times to like smaller companies and you rock up in a suit yeah. and you do feel a bit of a yeah. Yeah. out of place. But yeah, I've just always thought... Yes, but yeah. So my personal stance on it is, um, and we've had these conversations before, but I ultimately think that you need to dress however you feel comfortable to be in that environment where you're selling yourself, essentially, to, to someone that you want to work for. So if you feel more comfortable wearing a suit because it gets you in the zone and you, know, you feel sort of more work-ready, then I personally think you should still do that, regardless of what the policy is internally within that company. Um, so don't ever feel uncomfortable going to an interview. Um, equally, and these are the things I advise clients about, um, a client should not be judging you based on what you're wearing. Um, so, you know, if, if you get um, any form of sort of unconscious or conscious bias directed at you um, and you feel it's because of, you know, the way you were dressed and that they might say culturally maybe it's not the right fit, then that's not the way that an organisation should be, you know, screening candidates. And on the reverse of this, when we talk about inclusion and diversity, from an employer's point of view, especially because this is about predominantly about ex-forces, people listening, mm. what, would, what advice would you give to employers or businesses looking to go into that like market in terms of hiring ex-forces people? Is it like, for some, for some people it's new territory, right? They, yeah. they, they think like these people are going to turn up bearded and tattooed with all sorts of mental health issues and that, that simply isn't the, it's the case. It's not the case, yeah. So when... So I have lots of conversations with clients where we talk about the work that they're doing proactively to attract um, diverse talent into their organisation. Um, lots of businesses are doing really fantastic things. Um, a lot of businesses will openly admit that they're at the very start of their journey as well. Um, but what I, I guess um, I'm really interested in, and um, there are some that are doing this, but personally I don't feel enough at the moment, is the work to actually reach out um, and proactively go into these communities and really understand um, the way that different people tick, um, what it is that you know, sort of drives them and motivates them, and what to expect when they then come into your business. And obviously by doing that, so by um, offering, let's say, CV writing workshops at a base, they can see for themselves 
what reality really is so that they're much more prepared then when someone does come for interview and what about marketing because I'm I like to hear it from other people because I'm always going on about LinkedIn and you have to write content content is the key recruiters won't come to you you have to go to them sort of thing again am I, am I talking nonsense or what's your perspective from a recruitment point of view in terms of someone marketing themselves and especially on LinkedIn yeah so I guess particularly on social media and when you're looking at other networking groups as well because remember that anyone that you're talking to could potentially in the future be a useful contact for you for a, for a, a new job yeah. um, it's really important to make sure that people genuinely understand what it is that you do because if there's any ambiguity if they don't understand what's you know your previous role or what your job title is then they're not really going to listen to you and they're going to forget you. Um, so make sure that your LinkedIn profile is, to be honest with you, pretty simple. Um, so use simple language. Do not use um, any sort of jargon that's specific to the roles that all the companies that you worked at. Um, don't use any acronyms, um, which I know are, are quite commonplace. Um, and just really make sure that if you were explaining your job right now to, let's say, a school leaver, would they understand what you do? Because you've got to make sure that that you stick in someone's mind. And what would make someone stick in your mind? Apart from following that, keeping it simple, what would they? What would what would grab your attention as a recruiter? Um, so, A, the ability to actually explain something very clearly to me, because ultimately that's what they've got to do in an interview. Um, so if they sort of mumble or if they try and sort of fudge over something to get me to move on to the next question, then I feel they're going to do that in the interview as well. Yeah. So to be able to really clearly explain or answer a question um, and to be pretty to the point, so most roles that we're looking at when we're putting someone into an organisation is things like being, you know, let's say a project manager. You've got to be able to assign tasks to people. You've got to stick to deliverables. You've got to be quite sort of um, regimented and succinct in what you're doing. So I feel that that's what someone needs to get across when they're talking to you as well. And in terms of your scrolling through LinkedIn in this yeah. example, on a day-to-day basis, I imagine you, I'm assuming I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> and you see someone in, in the local area who's on LinkedIn, they write a piece of content about their time in the forces. What Would, would that grab your attention or would, yeah. you, would you just scroll? Yeah, no, it would grab my attention because ultimately what I'm doing is I'm trying to support diverse communities so that would absolutely grab my attention um personal experiences are really really interesting for anyone to really understand um so so to try and you know i understand that it's a public forum but to try and keep something um as authentic and genuine as possible certainly makes someone feel more connected to you um, if you are looking for work on LinkedIn as well, it's really, really useful to actually state that. So, you know, you can change um, the sort of subtext just beneath your name. You can actually put on there, you know, actively seeking work, There's looking for work. There's a toggle that shows if you're looking to recruiters. Obviously, yeah. there's, a, there's a slight risk in recruiters from your own company will see that. But then that might start a conversation 
of them seeing what you want to stay. Yeah. So it could, could yeah, work yeah. Out absolutely, way. absolutely. And um, you, you can do keyword searches on LinkedIn the same way as you would do on anything. So it's certainly useful to have stuff like seeking, looking for, stuff yeah. like that in your profile. Aspiring project manager. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think as well, and going back to the CV, and this is a piece of feedback that I, I often give to, to people, um, don't leave any room for any doubt or ambiguity, um, because what people will often do if they're pushed for time as well, um, they will either bypass that CV because they don't have the answer they're looking for, or they'll answer it themselves through their unconscious bias. So it's always really good to just go through it and almost say with everything you're looking at, you know, oh, is it really clear? So A, is it really clear what I did there? Is it really clear why I left that role? You know, unless it's something really awful and, and you, you don't want to share it, um, always give your reasons for leaving or your reasons for looking for a new role. Make it more positive. Um, but just remove any opportunity for doubt. Um, and try to be as specific as you can with your skills. Um, so if you are applying for a role which is, let's say, a first-line support role, um, A, make sure that everything on the job advert is included in your CV, word for word. So if they do do a keyword search, you've covered it. Um, but also, just look at all of the technical stuff um, and just ask yourself after you've written it down, would anyone looking at the CV understand what that is? Or if you've put, for example, I see quite a lot someone might write um, that they've got good skills with MS Office, but Microsoft Office is, is huge. Yeah, yeah, and there are certain ones that are obviously kind of a given that most people use on a day-to-day -day basis, and there are others that a lot of people don't use. Um, so just making sure that you actually specify which ones it is that you've got and your um, experience of them as well. So, you know, have you got a working knowledge of Excel? Have you got an advanced knowledge of Excel? Could you even go a little bit more with that one and say, for example, that you've got experience of using macros? So just try and keep it um, quite specific to the role that you're applying for. Yeah. Um, if you're going to go to the effort to apply for a job, take that extra time to tailor your CV to that job. Don't just send the same CV out to lots of different roles. It's time consuming, I know, but it's worth it in the long run. And what's your opinion on, and I'm asking this, because it happened to me the other day, and I had a bit of pushback. Um, so on LinkedIn now, you can export your profile to PDF. So I said that to someone, and I said, you know, if, if, you're, if the hiring manager doesn't like what I'm doing on here, they're probably not gonna like yeah. me in, in an interview. Like, is that a tool that's been used, or is that a tool you necessarily think will work or not? I've not come across it okay. to be honest with you. Um, it could be because um, you know, if I ask the recruiters in the office, then maybe they've come across it a bit more. Um, but personally, it's not something that I'm aware of that's you know everybody's using. I think I stumbled across it. By yeah. And it exports it and it gives you your profile summary, qualifications, work history yeah. and, and stuff like okay. that. And I just thought it was an interesting um, add-on they've, they've put yeah. on and it made me think, well, why do you need both? Yeah. Well, if you're active on LinkedIn, if yeah, you've got yeah, yeah. If you're pictures of an egg and you, you're not yeah. on there and you're writing no yeah. content, then it probably yeah. won't be as useful. But 
it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, it would, definitely. Um, the other thing that I notice quite a lot, and this is actually where someone who's leaving um, quite a sort of specific role within the forces has got the edge here, actually, because every role is going to be quite different. Um, what I see quite a lot with CVs when I'm screening for, um, the, the most common one, I guess, would be a PMO analyst, so someone working in a project office. I see the same text for every role that they've done and it's essentially bullet points of what that job is. My personal view, if I'm being absolutely frank about it, is that the person interviewing for that role will have done, you would hope, that role in the past, right? So let's say they're a project office manager and they're interviewing for a junior. They know what the job entails. They don't need to see a job description. What they want to know is that you can do the job. So they either want to know what you've done in the past, so your successes in previous roles, your key achievements, or they want to see transferable skills that show them that you could do the job, okay? So really try to avoid going down the route of job description. And it's easier said than done, I really understand that, particularly with certain roles where you might have done the same thing in every organisation. But if you sit down for a few minutes and think about it, I'm absolutely certain there'll be stuff that you've achieved in those roles that are worth shouting about. And I think this is the stuff people need to listen to and this is no disrespect to the, the CTP, they do brilliant work, they've got brilliant people working for them and they may argue this but the reality is they're not in with recruiters every single day um, and speaking to someone like you who, who sees it and who's actually in, in that environment is actually giving yeah. practical advice. Um, so yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, no, not at all. And to be honest with you, if I'm selling someone to a client, you know, I want to be able to sell them in the best light possible. I want to go into that conversation, um, you know, at the top, being really positive about this person, saying, this, I want you to see this person because they've done X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. not, oh, here's a PMO CV, um, they've done, managed a risk and issues log, and you know all the other things that that they know. They've every other CV says the same thing. So it's just making yourself different. Um, spelling, grammar, and inconsistencies. Now this crops up a lot. Okay, um, and I'm kind of sitting on the fence to a certain degree with these conversations because I absolutely do not believe that a candidate should be rejected if there's a spelling mistake on their CV. That's really refreshing to hear. Yeah, because that is another. It's, you know. it's, yeah, it's, it's been, you know, for years, unfortunately, it's, it's something that's been a reason to almost reject someone, right? Um, and there are lots of reasons why people may have a spelling or a grammatical error on their CV. Um, so I genuinely believe that's not a reason to reject someone, and if I can influence the decision, then I will. Um, it is a work in progress. You know, organisations are in their journeys at the moment of um, looking at ways that they can screen talent differently. Um, so just be mindful to at least do a second and a, a third proofread um, and try to avoid anything that you can, you know, pick up and change and have someone else read your CV. That's really valuable to hear. Um, what else are you working on in terms of? 
Um, so, yeah, so at the moment I'm talking to a lot of organisations about um, a military hiring programme. So essentially, um, we already offer programmes for other individuals within um, different communities at Outsource, which we call Bench Resource. And Bench Resource essentially means that that individual is employed by Outsource. Um, so they're a, an employee in the same way as I am. They get you know, all of the same benefits that I have access to. Um, and that employee then, in the same way as they might when they work for one of the big consultancies, can go into a client's business and do a contract for them. Um, what it offers the client um, is an opportunity to have somebody in the business for let's say a project that lasts a year um, without a longer term commitment when they're not sure if they need to take on that long term commitment. Um, what it offers the individual is a chance to upskill. Um, so within our programme, whilst the individual is working, they will receive training which has been tailored for them by the client. Um, so it's not, you know, an off-the-shelf, before you start any role you're going to have, Prince 2, Agile and Excel. Um, the client will interview you and then they will tell us what they feel is appropriate for that individual. Sounds sensible, based on actual feedback and what yeah. they want. So they get the skills they need. Yeah, and because sometimes it's technical, sometimes it's softer skills. Um, we're all different, you know, and we all we all need support in different ways. So um, that's that's something that I'm working on at the moment. I'm talking to a lot of organisations about it, um, and um, I believe that it's only a matter of time. So um, when that does happen, I'll be looking to hire. Is there anything else you want to add? Um, today's conversation? No, I think really the main thing is to just take that little bit of extra time when you are writing your CV. Um, and um, I have been there as well, you know, and I understand that it can get a bit demotivating um, and um, it can feel sometimes potentially like, you know, a wasted effort. Um, I know also that with some portals, when you're applying for a job, um, it asks you to input data, so it's a little bit out of your control as to, you know, what you can write. Um, but um, just making sure your CV is as specific as possible for that client, at least you know then you've given yourself the, the best opportunity possible to get that role, rather than a quick Sunday morning, oh, I'll just get this out to five different yeah. businesses. I've got a question. Yeah. It's nothing to do with resettlement, really. It is to do with, why do companies make you duplicate your CV in, in the application process? Because that is one of the most frustrating things in the world. I just wondered if you knew the reason why. Um, I don't, to be honest, but I will find that out okay. because that's quite a useful thing to know. So um, a lot of organisations do um, have, you know, all of their applicant stuff, um, content in a, an applicant tracking system, it's mm. called. So that's where they store all of their applications and obviously it's all protected then. Um, but um, I know that sometimes they ask you if you want to attach your CV as well. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll certainly find that out. Because that's you. always going to be the default thing, isn't it? Well, I've got my CV. So I'm yeah. And that's another thing that I think people can believe it goes it goes not in their favour, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Because they sort of trap you into writing and filling in all the boxes. And then at the end they say, oh, you can attach a CV if you want. But if they did that first, they maybe could remove a lot of Yeah. A lot of yeah. Um, yeah. It's just interesting.
Um, if people want to get hold of you, where's the best place to... Um, so I'm literally on LinkedIn all day, every day. So you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Claire Farrow, Inclusion Diversity Client Partner Outsource. Um, so search me on there. Um, if not, um, then equally, it's quite a long email address, but I can um, read it out. Yeah, so cfarrow at outsource-uk.co.uk. And the guys decided to clean the cutlery right in the middle of this, <laughs> which is fine. That's what it's all about. Um, you have got an event this month for those in the local area. Yes, I have. So this is related to the Swindon Inclusion and Diversity Network, which Jack mentioned at the beginning um, I'm a co-founder of with a couple of other... Um, contacts of mine within the Swindon area. We've got an event taking place on the 24th, so next Thursday, at um, BCS, which is the British Computer Society, um, over by the Oasis Leisure Centre in Swindon. It's based, um, it's focusing on intersectionality um, and this idea um, that actually we should be considering every single individual. Um, on their own merits and every single person is different regardless of what someone may look like um, we've got to be aware of things like different languages that people speak um, people's personal experiences and how that may have shaped their personality um, people's abilities both physical and neurological um, so we'll be looking at intersectionality in much more detail and that's the 24th of October 24th, yeah cool, okay well, thanks very much. I'm sure everyone listening will have got some value from that. Please put it into practice because Claire obviously knows what she is talking about. Um, give us a rating on iTunes if you wish, either good or bad. They all they all add up. It's all good. Uh, get eyes on the, the podcast and share it if you like. See you next time. Thank you.